What's going on, good people? Welcome back to the Brothers Rising Uphill podcast. I'm Andre Turan, and I'm joined by the usual suspects, Corey Jones, Neil Scott, for episode four of season two uh, in our season, Love God, Love People, and Spread Truth. Today, we got a special guest. I'm going to let Corey introduce him here soon. I'm going to get off of this uh, off of this posting tip and let Corey take over. Um, but we're going to talk about how to love the church and why loving the church is important. Not just the church as the as the physical building, but the church as the body of Christ. And so we have Rashawn Graves here with us. But I'll toss it to him and, and uh, we'll get into a couple questions. Uh, but again, this is the Brothers Rising Up podcast where we talk um, male Christian a Christian man, a Christian manhood, um, where faith intersects with uh, culture. So, forgive me for stumbling over the words. And without further ado, Corey, uh, introduce him to our to our guest. Yeah, so I'm so excited. As uh, Andre said, we have my my good friend. I call him a good friend, Rayshawn Graves. I met Rayshawn a couple of years ago at a church in in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, I'm going to give him actually opportunity to introduce ourselves and t- tell you what he's doing now. But a great brother in Christ. Uh, we both came, had come from the same context. I was at a predominantly white reformed church at the time, and he was uh, in, a, in the same context in a different location. And so it was good to see somebody connect to somebody who, who understood that and uh, all that entailed. And so um, we got connected and we keep in contact through social media. Um, I, uh, I often stalk him on social media because he's always posting something really good, really insightful. Uh, whether it be about social justice issues or racial reconciliation. So he's a good brother in the faith, young brother. Um, I think he's a Cowboys fan, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Maybe I just want him to be. <laughs> oh, no. No, he's not. Okay, whatever. I still love you in the faith. But um, but I'm so excited to have you on, man, as, we talk about, as we're talking about loving others, as uh, my brother uh, Andre said. But more specifically, with this episode concentrated on love in the church. So, without further ado, Rayshawn, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Um, where you're from, what you do, and uh, just give us a brief bio and your testimony, man. Can you share that with us? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, so, yeah, appreciate y'all having me on, man. Um, looking forward to the encouraging conversations and stuff. So, uh, first, uh, I'm a Bucks fan, and uh, it's a fine time to be a Bucks fan. So. Um, yeah, I'm, I don't have anything to do with Florida or Tampa Bay. Uh, it's literally a team I chose on NFL Blitz back in like 1998 or something. <laughs> and I've been rocking with them since, like Keyshawn Johnson, Mike Allstott, all of them do. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Bucks fan. But, yeah, I, I've been around Richmond pretty much my whole life. Um, moved here when I was five. And, uh, yeah, I got saved um, at the church my, my, my parents went to when I was about seven years old. Uh, I got baptized at 10 and, you know, just sort of grew up as I was kind of growing up in my faith at the same time. So always been around or in church. Um, ministry was not something that was initially on my radar. I was not uh, thinking about what that looked like for my life until I was about, you know, a senior in high school. And then I just kind of in- engaged it for a little bit and then just kind of ran away from the idea. Um, man, yeah, right around college. Well, so I went to Liberty for a semester and then came back to VCU. Uh, and then finished at Liberty. Um, but uh, it was during that time where just sort of had another encounter with the Lord about uh, what I wanted to do with my life as far as ministry was concerned. Um, so from there, yeah, I mean, it's kind of kind of jumped into serving in my church and uh, started doing seminary um, classes and uh, finished with that. 
Uh, got married, married to my wife of uh, what 13 years this year, and uh, we've got two kids. Uh, my son's, yeah, thanks, man. Um, my our son's name is Zeke, and my daughter's name is Ramaya. So, uh, yeah, man, we've just been enjoying spending time with them. But yeah, uh, when I met Corey, I said I, I was at a, a majority predominantly white church. Uh, I was on staff for about four years there. Uh, it was a church plant um, when we first went there, and so we were really. Um, intrigued by the idea of just being a part of a church plant and to think about what that looked like for our lives. And so uh, it was great. It was a great experience. They provided a whole bunch of opportunity. And uh, from that, I just kind of knew I wanted to go into pastoral ministry. Um, so, you know, after serving there on staff for about four years, uh, three years ago, uh, I ended up uh, becoming the pastor of a church that's literally right across the street from my house. Um, and uh, it's been great. Yeah, it's, it's still a it's a little bit more multi-ethnic, but it's majority white congregation, um, Southern Baptist, and been there for about three years, and it's been good. I mean, um, God's been really good. We've been really focused on trying to change and figure out who we are uh, in the presence that we want to be in the community. And uh, yeah, we talk about, I mean, part of this conversation, the church, what it means to love the church, what it means to be the church, uh, and like everyone, I'm sure, um, you know, 2020 has got us all thinking about what it means to be the church. And so, uh, yeah, we've been, we've been thinking through that a lot as well. So that's a little bit about me and, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. I'm going to take the first question. So, um, first question is what are you doing in church? You already told us, but like, what, what gave you an indication that God wanted you to pastor? Like you talked about, man, I want to go into, I want to, I want to seminary. I want to pursue, pursue that. And I think it's in the area of, you know, becoming a pastor, like, what was God impressing upon your heart that you wanted to pursue that, that particular role? Yeah, man, a, a love for people, ultimately, um, really caring about people and what is at the deepest core of people. Um, that just, that was something that really always intrigued me. Um, and so as I, as I grew and just, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person where people would just kind of open up, share their stories, and I would really care about helping them and thinking through, uh, what it means to be them and then point them to the Lord, uh, ultimately point them to, to Jesus and uh, for hope, for, for peace, not trying to really try to fix people, but really to, to come alongside of people uh, and love them. And so um, that to me was an initial draw. And I just wasn't sure what that looked like, um, you know, combined with aspects of like preaching, which is something that, you know, when I did that, kind of as a senior in high school for the first time, I really had no idea what I was doing, but you know, I preached some like, 50 minute sermon on the book of revelation or something and it was terrible but uh like <laughs> i felt like i was like i've never had the feeling of i want to do something for the rest of my life and i could do this forever and uh so from that like i said i i, I kind of engaged it and thought about what it might look like and then just kind of got away from it and wanted to do some other things but uh it came back and it came back with a uh with a force and with a hunger and uh yeah, from there, I just couldn't get away with it. Wanted to help people and love people. Um, just kind of be like a, a soul doctor aspect of it, but then really proclaim uh, proclaim God's truth in the gospel. Um, yeah, those are the two things that really drew me into to that call. You know what I mean? And there were other confirming things, but like those were the main things that that did it. Yeah, that's, that's a powerful testimony. And uh, I'm sure all of us can attest 
Uh, I just want to say this is a blessing too. All of us, you say you went to seminary, and so you, the, the rest of us are here. We're in seminary right now, so it's like a power, we got a powerful thing going on right here. This is That's beautiful. Cool. You know? So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited you shared that. But you just made some great points as it relates to love, and I think in this journey when you're walking in the Lord, and you know, it talks a lot about His first commandment and what He calls us to do, and then the second one being just as important, right? To love your fellow man, your brothers and sisters. So. Uh, I would like to know in terms of love, like why does it matter, right? Why, why is love important? How would you define love since your journey and, and from hearing you, that's, that led you into this, this, this life of pastoring and, and really caring, you know? And so how did that, how would you define it? Why does it matter in the church? Yeah, man. So uh, it made, and this wasn't the, way, wasn't the way it always was. So a lot of this was just like stumbling, fumbling through ministry and really trying to get my bearings and figure out like, why, why do we do this? Like, what, what does it mean to love, uh, to love people? Um, especially when you're like, you're caring about this, this, the spiritual aspect of who they are. Um, I don't know, it rung home pretty significantly for me. And I forget who said it, um, probably a bunch of people have said it, but it was literally taking the love of God that he displayed to us in Jesus, a really gentle love, um, a restoring kind of love, a patient love, mm. a gracious love um, that just went all out. I mean, it's his way to go all out. It's not that he went out of his way. Like it is his way to go all out in this kind of demonstration. And uh, it's taking that love that, that happens vertically between us and God and then turning it on its side and, and really extending that towards, uh, towards each other. And so for me, yeah, that's kind of how I define it and, and thinking about at least kind of a standard or a measure that is not by loving people, it's not, you know, within my own personal capacity, which isn't much, you know what I mean? Like everybody else, uh, it's really by the measure, uh, kind of that inexhaustible measure of God's love that he displayed towards us. So yeah, that's how I define it. It's like, what, what does it mean for me to take the love of God that he's shown towards me and display it toward two other people? Um, what does that look like? Um, and on a practical level, knowing that, you know, we're not going to do it perfectly, but uh, what does it mean to, to sort of embody that in, in life? You know, Rashawn, I, I think it's, I mean, what you just said, as far as taking the vertical relationship and turning it horizontal, because I think a lot of times we get so caught up, especially as we're beginning our walk and getting more serious with Christ, we get up on our own spiritual formation that I think we lose the message of Christ because if God is love, right? And we're interacting with the God is love. God is not only love within the, the characteristic of love, but we talked about in early episodes about how love is actionary. Yeah. The relationship, the love and the experience and intimacy we've built with him only for us to be able to, you know, give it out horizontally and, and give it to others. And I think that's something um, I'm learning myself that for so long, like I've just focused on, you know, Okay, well, how can I do this to get closer to him? But, you know, and a lot of times I notice that, you know, my relationship in that way is kind of works based to a certain degree because it's like, okay, how can I get closer to him so I can look better so I can try to improve my own standing? But that's not that's not even necessarily how Christ operated. So I think that's that, that that's a beautiful uh, illustration there um, and, and to, to kind of follow up that that with a question. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of folks out here, especially um, as as the digital age is pushing forward and with COVID, that are pro probably begin to see, you know, church and attending church and being in 
church community is, is obsolete, right? As, you know, I don't need to go to church to be X, Y, and Z. But but as a pastor and as somebody that's trying to love somebody on every level, which is a characteristic of Christ, church or the, like I'm talking about the community of it, necess- necessary. Why is it a necessity? Yeah, bro, that's a, that's a great question, man. I mean, when you think about, about Christian love and the hardest thing about it to, to wrap our minds around is because love is so often, like you said, actionary between uh, at least when it comes to humans, you, you need to show me that you, you love me. And, and we look at demonstrations of, of love and we assess people's love for us on, on the basis of those demonstrations. And we do the same thing for God. But I think so often it's, it's hard for us to comprehend his love because we, well, one, I mean, we can't see him. Um, we can see his works and the good things that he does for us, but it's hard for us to, to just be loved. Um, we feel like we're constantly trying to earn God's love and we feel like we got to do things to score points to, to earn his love or to show uh, love. And so so it's really wow. hard in that sense to feel like to just be loved at times. You know what I mean? And but also the, the aspect of love is that, um, again, you're not going to know that you're loved if you're not around people or if you're if you're not around not putting it, putting, putting yourself in a place where you can be good, man. Loved or to demonstrate love, you know what I mean? So so with that, I think that's where the importance of the church comes in because it's a community that, again, it's not just a group of people called together to, to love each other in, in a human sense, you know what I'm saying, with our human capacity, but it really is us, a group of people who are called to love each other based on the vertical love that we receive from God and extend that towards each other. And so if you, and the former pastor said, said this, if you, uh, he who grows alone grows weird. And that sticks with me all the time. But like, it's the same thing with love. Like, if you are not in a, a position to be around other people, to be loved and to demonstrate love, then as a Christian, you're, you know, Jesus loves you. You're sure you'll enter into eternal life, no doubt. But you might be growing in a weird way to get there. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so to be, to be amongst the church and to be loved and to give love, is the best way for Christian growth to happen. You know what I mean? I think it's the, the way that Jesus intends for Christian growth to happen. And it's difficult, it's messy, it's, it's hard, it's frustrating. But at the same time, it's like, this is what he does by coming into the world and loving really difficult people. Mm-hmm. And he calls us to do the same thing and to be loved, even in our difficultness, you know, our messed upness. So, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to speak to that. That's powerful, uh, Rashawn, because I'm just thinking about my experience when I when I went astray away from the church. I grew up in the church, you know, uh, all my life. But, you know, as I, you know, in my way of trying to live life, I kind of fell into some hard places and I, I, and, I, and I got away from the church. But I knew the importance of the church. But until I finally decided that, you know what, I need to go and really not just attend church, but I need to be actively involved in the service of church. Because when I decided to make that transition, it's so amazing that the spirit of the Lord within me was guiding me into ministry in a way where he was surrounding me with people that could fill me up to keep me there. Like, like it was filling my spirit with what I needed because I find that I was being comforted. I find that I was being nurtured. I find that all of those things that were so essential that I wasn't receiving from the world when I was out there doing my thing and so much 
weight was on me. God put me in a place. That's why church is so important because it puts you in a community of, of other believers that cares about your walk with the Lord, right? And, and, and they want to see you develop and grow in that life. And so I think a lot of times when we attend church and we just sit out and listen to the pastor, but yet we don't take the proper steps or utilize the tools and the resources available within the church that will help that will help us in discipleship, that will help us in all of those things that are key, right, to remaining. Because this is the thing that I learned, too, is that it's not only that God wants to give graciously give us love and, 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 and support us and strengthen us, but he needs us to stay. He needs us to stay where we are so he can begin the building process. It reminds me back in Jeremiah when he was trying to get the people, when he was trying to get the people to stay. And he was like, well, if you stay in this land, I promise to rebuild you. But if you go astray, if you go back to Egypt, what's coming for you will come for you. And then you will be, I, I will, then you will be reminded that when I spoke with you, when you were here in this land, I said, you stay in this promised land, I, I got you. But sometimes when people go and they allow others to get in their ear, and I'm gonna relate this to church now, when you have so many opinions around the, the, the bride of Christ, right? They take it and make it about the people versus in making it about God, uh, making it about Christ. And that should drive your, your, your want to wanna to remain in that place because God is doing the work, not the people necessarily. I just wrote this in my notes the other day. I said, yeah, I went through a discipleship process, but at the end of the day, when we're led to that place, it's the spirit of the Lord that disciples us in the end because it keeps us in that place and it continues to grow us in maturity and development. So that just make me think about, as you're speaking of the importance of church and being around people, why it's so powerful if you really just stay put and allow God to do his work. And Neil, beautiful thing about that is it's easy. Like the act, when we talk about the action of love, when you're in an environment like the person beside you is easy. Because you know, in the sacrificial nature of love, you're about to sacrifice for this person in your efforts to either help, to disciple, to supplement, to support, whatever that looks like. That very same thing for you whenever you're at a, at a place of a low or 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 in need. Like I, when I, I was just living in Louisville and just recently moved back to Virginia Beach, I love Virginia. Grew up here, family here, everything here. Um, and I was a journalist at the time, and so I was pinging all around the nation, going everywhere, a bunch of different places. I lived in four cities in th three years, and it was Louisville, because my community, the church I was in, the people that surrounded me were so full of love and just, mm -hmm. just so willing to sacrifice and do different things for me that when I left, it felt like I was, it really felt like um, I was trying to, I had to tear something away to go to the next place. But what I was tearing away was just what God was using just to sustain me. And that is, is, is beautiful, man. Right. Right. This is a fruitful conversation. Um, I, I, I got a question for you, Sean, to kind of go with it. You kind of answered that, what I was going to ask you about why does God call us to love? You talked about God wants us to grow. You know, God wants to mature in our faith. And that's, what, that's why he wants us to love the church because he loves the church. And so we should love what God loves, hate what God hates. And so if he gave his, his own son, how much more should we like want to have that same sacrificial type of love as well? But in the context, you talked about being pastoring uh, like a multi-ethnic church. Um, and with in a, today's climate, with the race issues, with the, with the debate over wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, like, 
tell me like how do you practically uh like lead your church in that and and, and telling them um how to love each other yeah man i mean that's that's still a work in progress i mean i'm sure all the books will come out you know 30 40 years from now about about what all that looked like and pastoring through a pandemic but uh no, nah, man, I really I've been struck by Philippians, um, Philippians 2 and, and how it talks about um, in Christ likeness, putting the interests of others before our own interests. And man, that's powerful because, I mean, that's what we're often motivated by as people, our own interests. And we're saying that, you know, to, to be a follower of Jesus is to be transformed in such a sense because you can't do that naturally. You know what I'm saying? You you gonna look out for your own interests naturally, just by nature. That's how we're we're wired. Uh, but to to be considerate, to put someone else's interests above your own, that is a fruit of transformation. Like that's a fruit of the gospel. You know what I mean? And so, for us, it's it's literally been trying to help people to say, let's get out of our own experiences, let's get out of our own shoes and ways of looking at things, and let's consider the other person. You know what I mean? And and that could mean uh, just listening. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what um, I was really encouraging people to do, especially during the, the conversations about race last year, is listening, um, hearing the stories of other people, um, thinking about the particular implications of what that means for them, um, and not being so quick to try to give answers or, or try to put out solutions or even try to, I mean, that's one of the things, try to fix people. Uh, but to just see like, hey, this is what it means to, to consider someone else's interest. And even, I mean, amidst COVID, that's, that's been another thing. It's like, not to think about how we're interpreting or processing these, because that's what we're all doing, mm -hmm. but to think about our neighbors and to not even think of them necessarily as, I mean, because this argument got put out there a, a, a while, uh, seeing people as weaker brothers or weaker sisters. And it's like, it really doesn't have anything to do with it, who's weaker or who's stronger. It has to do with, this is my neighbor, and as a follower of Jesus, I'm called to put their interests above my own. I'm not, you know, this doesn't have to be a pity thing or I'm just going to be more compassionate or sympathetic to you. It's literally saying I'm going to choose to value you and see you as important, if not more important than myself, because this is literally what Jesus does. He takes the form of a servant. He washes disciples feet and he's exalted to the highest place in, in you know, in all creation. And we're to model that because we've experienced that. And so it's trying to trying to help our congregation to see that, you know, things like empathy and gentleness and compassion um, and, and not, you know, not thinking of ourselves more higher than we are, putting others' interests above our own. Those are the things that are, are that define and mark followers of Jesus. And we're not going to always get it right. But. If we're if we're thinking from that posture and from that position, uh, we're going to go a lot further than we are if we're prioritizing what we want and our our agendas and what we think is the best way um, and our preferences and things like that. So that's a little bit of how we're trying to do stuff. But again, it's it's a process with this whole <laughs> this whole pandemic and the times that we're in now. You know, that, that that's powerful. You actually, I feel like you were just talking all through Romans twelve to uh, Romans twelve too. Uh, and what you were talking about. And I just want to read uh, just the first part. 
It yeah. says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living, and this is the important part, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is the true, truly the way to worship God. So that just makes me think about what you're saying, you know, in essence of being a follower of Christ, we're called to be that living sacrifice, right? Like, and, and that means that, you know, even through our own struggle, even through our own heartache and, and brokenness sometimes, we are still called to be a sacrifice for others. We're called to be holy in spite of those challenges we have to face because we are his chosen ones, right? That's what we experience, right? And so that just made me think about that. But I, I want to ask, uh, you know, in terms of giving that love or being that living sacrifice, it gets hard at times. And like you just said, it's, it's things are a work in progress. You know, we're always... In this ever-changing world, you know, we are called to please a never-ending God, you know, and who's always there to showcase his unfailing love for us. And so how do we give that same unfailing love to our, um, our brothers and sisters, right? It's very hard. So how would you, you know, has it ever been a time for you in, in your experience that it was hard to give that love? Did you find it very difficult? And what were what did you do? What were some practical things in your journey that's allowed you to get back to loving God's people? Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like a lot of the conversations about race last year were were moments where it was difficult to love people, um, especially with the kind of love that, that God shows us, with the kind of patience, with the kind of grace. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know I bombed in several ways. <laughs> And loving people and, and like just not getting it right and being real frustrated and wanting to like Proverbs says the fool gives full vent to his spirit. Like there were times I, I, I did and I wanted to just give a full vent um, and just blasting people or, or, or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, the, one of the ways I mean, I think it points back to something that you said even earlier, Neil, of that, that you know, sticking around in the midst of you know, in the church kind of setting because you recognize that God is doing the work on and in people. Mm -hmm. um, that's the, that's one of the things, the most beautiful things about Christianity is that, you know, it's not as much up to us to fix each other, to change each other, to achieve uh, the promises of God. Like God is actually actively doing all of these things mm -hmm. and he's doing millions of things when we can only see like two or three, you know what I mean? Like he's, He's at work, you know, I'm so so that that relieves the burden off of us to try to change each other or to try to get people to conform to whatever my expectations are of them um, or to even break through in people's minds and hearts with, you know, things like the race conversation, however much persuasiveness or data or uh, or, you know, compelling arguments, all that stuff like it's great to have those things, you know what I mean? But like the real reason any of us is saved is because God, the Holy Spirit worked in our hearts right. and did a supernatural deadness to likeness thing. Mm -hmm. And that's him. He can only, only he can do that. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and it's good that we have all the things that we have as resources and stuff, but really the only way any of us is changing, well, the only way anyone ever changes is through the power of the spirit. And sometimes, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, what we say in the, in the church that, that I, I pastor is that, Sometimes that looks like a, a waterfall, like it's just a rushing river. And sometimes it's a drip from a faucet. You know, it's just a, a continual drip. that's a slow process. And we don't have control over that process for others. So for me, man, I think about 
how God is working to change me and how slow that is at times, um, <laughs> even currently. And I try to extend that to others. And it's not easy. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's difficult. It's messy. But if I can rely on the fact that God is changing my fellow brother and sister in the same way that he's changing and transforming me, then I, I can rest. In, I can rest in that. And I'm hoping they can rest in that when it comes to, to me and my, my difficulty. You know what I mean? And so um, that's been one way that I, I've found helpful and to rely on in that moment. If God is the only one who can truly change folks to rely on prayer, like to really pray for people um, and to ask for prayer myself, because, again, there's power in that. Not in that my words can do anything, but that, you know, I'm asking God to, to do what I can't. You know what I mean? To uh, to make the change happen that that I can't make happen um, in my own life and even in, in the hearts and lives of others. So, um, yeah, prayer and then just thinking about, again, God's God's love demonstrated towards towards me has been really helpful and just maintaining and, and hanging in there with with, uh, with the difficult times. So that's powerful, man. I'm going to ask you this last question. And then after after you answer it, if you can give us like you're cool with it, how people can connect with you through your social media or whatnot if you have any questions or anything. Um, drop the name of your church, too. If, you want to, you know, if anybody in the area you want to see Pastor Graves, you know what I'm saying? Like, And then go, after, go to his house after it because he lives right across the street. <laughs> yeah. Let me rest a little bit. Eat some. Um, so Hurt is Real, right? We've been talking about it. Kinda, this question kind of goes along with what you just answered from Neil. But um, Hurt is Real. Like People have been hurting in church. Last year, we talked about the race issues. Um, that's just, you know, some people have been hurt over that. Some people have been hurt, um, whatever, we can, we can name it. Um, how would you encourage somebody who right now is like on the fence um, or really hurting because the church, this thing that we're called to love, they're Christian, but they're really struggling because they've really been hurt. How would you encourage that person? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely encourage them to know that that, you know, Jesus, Jesus sees that, um, you know, the Bible often talks about the picture of where his sheep, you know, John chapter 10, and uh, he goes after the one and leaves the 99. So seriously, like Jesus would, if you're that hurt person, Jesus would leave the 99 others who may have pushed you out the sheepfold to go get you to bring you back into the sheepfold and, and believe he is looking out for you in the midst of that. So it's like, Yes, yeah, difficult. I mean, it means a whole bunch of things for people who've experienced church hurt. I mean, sometimes it means questioning faith and people who are deconstructing stuff. It, sometimes it means going to another church. Sometimes it means confrontation uh, with problems that are in a current church. Like it, it means a whole host of things. But I think behind it all, I think if we can see Jesus and see the kind of love that he demonstrates towards us, if we can see his patience and his grace, if we can see his intentionality in going after us, even when we are hurt and wounded, I think it'll make our time in trying to, to be grafted into a church, however imperfect it is, uh, we, can have, we can have more realistic expectations that, that Jesus is actually doing work in this imperfect congregation. And this is his method by which he is growing and changing Christians. And again, it's not easy, None of us are going to want to stick around at times, but he's committed to this. Like he's committed. It's his bride, like the ultimate expression of faithfulness and commitment. Like he's committed to the local expressions and the global expressions of his body. And uh, and I think, yeah, if we see Jesus 
if we can see Jesus clearly in the midst of church hurt and woundedness, and abuse and all kind of stuff, then I think it'll help us to, to not, you know, jump off the boat or, or to just stray and find ourselves lost. Uh, but we can know we have a true shepherd who's really going to look out for us and look out for us in the midst of other imperfect sheep, you know? So, yeah. That's awesome, man. I, I wish we had more time because we could talk. We got to have you. We got to have you another time. You could be one of our, our guests. Ain't no doubt. But, um, yeah, Rashawn, let us know. Uh, what, what church do you pastor, man? And how can people connect with you? Yeah, so I pastor Western Baptist Church in, uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, our address, uh, you can find it on the website, but we're currently going through like a, a building transition. So uh, it may not be the same as it was last week. So, um, but you can follow me on, on Twitter at Rayshawn Graves One. You can follow me on Instagram, Rayshawn Graves One. Um, man, Facebook, Rayshawn Graves. I'm usually on, on all those platforms, or only those platforms, because it seems like there are a bunch of other platforms as well. But those are the main three I'm on. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, uh, Rayshawn Graves or Rayshawn Graves One. And uh, yeah, holla at me. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. I, I'll say again, thank you for joining us. Uh, and thank our viewers and our listeners for uh, joining us today on How to Love the Church. And um, this is very encouraging. And tune into next episode, guys. Thank you so much, Rayshawn. Thank y'all, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you.